Chapter Thirteen of *The Surgeon's Daughter* by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Chapter the Thirteenth. It appears that the jealous and tyrannical Begum did not long suspend her purpose of agonizing her rival by acquainting her with her intended fate by prayers or rewards many gray prevailed on a servant of ram singh kata to deliver to hartley the following distracted note all is true your fears foretold he hath delivered me up to a cruel woman who threatens to sell me to the tyrant tippu save me if you can if you have not pity or cannot give me aid there is none left upon earth m g the haste with which dr hartley sped to the fort and demanded an audience of the governor was defeated by the delays interposed by papia it did not suit the plans of this artful hindu that any interruption should be opposed to the departure of the begum and her favorite considering how much the plans of the last corresponded with his own he affected incredulity on the charge when hartley complained of an englishwoman being detained in the train of the begum against her consent treated the complaint of miss gray as the result of some female quarrel unworthy of particular attention and when at length he took some steps for examining further into the matter he contrived they should be so tardy that the begum and her retinue were far beyond the reach of interruption hartley let his indignation betray him into reproaches against papia in which his principal was not spared this only served to give the impassable brahmin a pretext for excluding him from the residency with a hint that if his language continued to be of such an imprudent character he might expect to be removed from madras and stationed at some hill-fort or village among the mountains where his medical knowledge would find full exercise in protecting himself and others from the unhealthiness of the climate as he retired bursting with ineffectual indignation estelle was the first person whom hartley chanced to meet with and to him stung with impatience he communicated what he termed the infamous conduct of the governor's dubosh connived at as he had but too much reason to suppose by the governor himself exclaiming against the want of spirit which they betrayed in abandoning a british subject to the fraud of renegades and the force of a tyrant estelle listened with that sort of anxiety which prudent men betray when they feel themselves like to be drawn into trouble by the discourse of an imprudent friend if you desire to be personally righted in this matter said he at length you must apply to leadenhall street where i suspect betwixt ourselves complaints are accumulating fast both against papia and his master 
i care for neither of them said hartley i need no personal redress i desire none i only want succor for many grey in that case said estelle you have only one resource you must apply to hyder himself to hyder to the usurper the tyrant yes to this usurper and tyrant answered estelle you must be contented to apply his pride is to be thought a strict administrator of justice and perhaps he may on this as on other occasions choose to display himself in the light of an impartial magistrate then i go to demand justice at his footstool said hartley not so fast my dear hartley answered his friend first consider the risk hyder is just by reflection and perhaps from political considerations but by temperament his blood is as unruly as ever beat under a black skin and if you do not find him in the vein of judging he is likely enough to be in that of killing stakes and bowstrings are as frequently in his head as the adjustment of the scales of justice no matter i will instantly present myself at his durbar the governor cannot for very shame refuse me letters of credence never think of asking them said his more experienced friend it would cost papia little to have them so worded as to induce hyder to rid our sable dubash at once and for ever of the sturdy free-spoken dr adam hartley a vakil or messenger of government sets out to-morrow for seringapatam contrive to join him on the road his passport will protect you both do you know none of the chiefs about hyder's person none excepting his late emissary to this place barak el hadgi answered hartley his support said estelle although only a faker may be as effectual as that of persons of more essential consequence and to say the truth where the caprice of a despot is the question in debate there is no knowing upon what it is best to reckon take my advice my dear hartley leave this poor girl to her fate after all by placing yourself in an attitude of endeavouring to save her it is a hundred to one that you only ensure your own destruction hartley shook his head and bade estelle hastily farewell leaving him in the happy and self-applauding state of mind proper to one who has given the best advice possible to a friend and may conscientiously wash his hands of all consequences having furnished himself with money and with the attendance of three trusty native servants mounted like himself on arab horses and carrying with them no tent and very little baggage the anxious hartley lost not a moment in taking the road to mysore endeavouring in the meantime by recollecting every story he had ever heard of hyder's justice and forbearance to assure himself that he should find the nawab disposed to protect a helpless female even against the future heir of his empire before he crossed the madras territory 
he overtook the vakil or messenger of the british government of whom asdale had spoken this man accustomed for a sum of money to permit adventurous european traders who desired to visit hyder's capital to share his protection passport and escort was not disposed to refuse the same good office to a gentleman of credit at madras and propitiated by an additional gratuity undertook to travel as speedily as possible it was a journey which was not prosecuted without much fatigue and considerable danger as they had to traverse a country frequently exposed to all the evils of war more especially when they approached the ghats those tremendous mountain passes which descend from the table-land of mysore and through which the mighty streams that arise in the centre of the indian peninsula find their way to the ocean the sun had set ere the party reached the foot of one of these perilous passes up which lay the road to serengapitum a narrow path which in summer resembled an empty watercourse winding upwards among immense rocks and precipices was at one time completely overshadowed by dark groves of teak trees and at another found its way beside impenetrable jungles the habitation of jackals and tigers by means of this unsocial path the travellers threaded their way in silence hartley whose impatience kept him before the vakil eagerly inquiring when the moon would enlighten the darkness which after the sun's disappearance closed fast around them he was answered by the natives according to their usual mode of expression that the moon was in her dark side and that he was not to hope to behold her bursting through a cloud to illuminate the thickets and strata of black and slaty rocks amongst which they were winding hartley had therefore no resource save to keep his eyes steadily fixed on the lighted match of the sower or horseman who rode before him which for sufficient reasons was always kept in readiness to be applied to the priming of the matchlock the vedette on his part kept a watchful eye on the daura a guide supplied at the last village who having got more than half way from his own house was much to be suspected of meditating how to escape the trouble of going further the daura on the other hand conscious of the lighted match and loaded gun behind him hollowed from time to time to show that he was on his duty and to accelerate the march of the travellers his cries were answered by an occasional ejaculation of ullah from the black soldiers who closed the rear and who were meditating on former adventures the plundering of a kafila party of travelling merchants or some such exploit or perhaps reflecting that a tiger in the neighbouring jungle might be watching patiently for the last of the party in order to spring upon him according to his usual practice the sun which appeared almost as suddenly as it had left them 
served to light the travellers in the remainder of the ascent and called forth from the mohammedans belonging to the party the morning prayer of allah akbar which resounded in long notes among the rocks and ravines and they continued with better advantage their forced march until the pass opened upon a boundless extent of jungle with a single high mud fort rising through the midst of it upon this plain rapine and war had suspended the labours of industry and the rich vegetation of the soil had in a few years converted a fertile champagne country into an almost impenetrable thicket accordingly the banks of a small nola or brook were covered with the footmarks of tigers and other animals of prey here the travellers stopped to drink and to refresh themselves and their horses and it was near this spot that hartley saw a sight which forced him to compare the subject which engrossed his own thoughts with the distress that had afflicted another at a spot not far distant from the brook the guide called their attention to a most wretched-looking man overgrown with hair who was seated on the skin of a tiger his body was covered with mud and ashes his skin sunburnt his dress a few wretched tatters he appeared not to observe the approach of the strangers neither moving nor speaking a word but remaining with his eyes fixed on a small and rude tomb formed of the black slate stones which lay around and exhibiting a small recess for a lamp as they approached the man and placed before him a rupee or two and some rice they observed that a tiger's skull and bones lay beside him with a sabre almost consumed by rust while they gazed on this miserable object the guide acquainted them with his tragical story satu singh had been a sipahi or soldier and freebooter of course the native and the pride of a half-ruined village which they had passed on the preceding day he was betrothed to the daughter of a sipahi who served in the mud fort which they saw at a distance rising above the jungle in due time sadhu with his friends came for the purpose of the marriage and to bring home the bride she was mounted on a tattoo a small horse belonging to the country and sadhu and his friends preceded her on foot in all their joy and pride as they approached the nullah near which the travellers were resting there was heard a dreadful roar accompanied by a shriek of agony sadhu singh who instantly turned saw no trace of his bride save that her horse ran wild in one direction whilst in the other the long grass and reeds of the jungle were moving like the ripple of the ocean when distorted by the course of a shark holding its way near the surface sadhu drew his sabre and rushed forward in that direction the rest of the party remained motionless until roused by a short roar of agony they then plunged into the jungle with their drawn weapons where they speedily found sadhu singh holding in his arms the lifeless corpse of his bride where a little farther 
lay the body of the tiger slain by such a blow over the neck as desperation itself could alone have discharged the brideless bridegroom would permit none to interfere with his sorrow he dug a grave for his mora and erected over it the rude tomb they saw and never afterwards left the spot the beasts of prey themselves seemed to respect or dread the extremity of his sorrow his friends brought him food and water from the nulla but he neither smiled nor showed any mark of acknowledgment unless when they brought him flowers to deck the grave of mora five or six years according to the guide had passed away and there satu singh still remained among the trophies of his grief and his vengeance exhibiting all the symptoms of advanced age though still in the prime of youth the tale hastened the travellers from their resting-place the vakil because it reminded him of the dangers of the jungle and hartley because it coincided too well with the probable fate of his beloved almost within the grasp of a more formidable tiger than that whose skeleton lay beside satu singh it was at the mud fort already mentioned that the travellers received the first accounts of the progress of the begum and her party by a peon or foot-soldier who had been in their company but was now on his return to the coast they had travelled he said with great speed until they ascended the ghats where they were joined by a party of the begum's own forces and he and others who had been brought from madras as a temporary escort were paid and dismissed to their homes after this he understood it was the purpose of the begum muti mahul to proceed by slow marches and frequent halts to bangalore the vicinity of which place she did not desire to reach until prince tippu with whom she desired an interview should have returned from an expedition towards vandicotta in which he had lately been engaged from the result of his anxious enquiries hartley had reason to hope that though seringapatam was seventy-five miles more to the eastward than bangalore yet by using diligence he might have time to throw himself at the feet of hyder and beseech his interposition before the meeting betwixt tippoo and the begum should decide the fate of many grey on the other hand he trembled as the peon told him that the begum's bookshi or general who had travelled to madras with her in disguise had now assumed the dress and character belonging to his rank and it was expected he was to be honoured by the mohammedan prince with some high office of dignity with still deeper anxiety he learned that a palaquin watched with sedulous care by the slaves of oriental jealousy contained it was whispered a feringhi or frankish woman beautiful as a hori who had been brought from england by the begum as a present to tippoo the deed of villainy was therefore in full train to be accomplished it remained to see 
whether by diligence on hartley's side the course could be interrupted when this eager vindicator of betrayed innocence arrived in the capital of hyder it may be believed that he consumed no time in viewing the temple of the celebrated vishnu or in surveying the splendid gardens called lal bang which were the monument of hyder's magnificence and now hold his mortal remains on the contrary he was no sooner arrived in the city than he hastened to the principal mosque having no doubt that he was there most likely to learn some tidings of barak el hadgi he approached accordingly the sacred spot and as to enter it would have cost a feringhi his life he employed the agency of a devout mussulman to obtain information concerning the person whom he sought he was not long in learning that the faker barak was within the mosque as he had anticipated busied with his holy office of reading passages from the koran and its most approved commentators to interrupt him in his devout task was impossible and it was only by a high bribe that he could prevail on the same moslem whom he had before employed to slip into the sleeve of the holy man's robe a paper containing his name and that of the khan in which the vakil had taken up his residence the agent brought back for answer that the faker immersed as was to be expected in the holy service which he was in the act of discharging had paid no visible attention to the symbol of intimation which the feringhi sahib european gentleman had sent to him distracted with the loss of time of which each moment was precious hartley next endeavoured to prevail on the mussulman to interrupt the faker's devotions with a verbal message but the man was indignant at the very proposal dog of a christian he said what art thou and thy whole generation that barak el hadgi should lose a divine thought for the sake of an infidel like thee exasperated beyond self-possession the unfortunate hartley was now about to intrude upon the precincts of the mosque in person in hopes of interrupting the formal prolonged recitation which issued from its recesses when an old man laid his hand on his shoulder and prevented him from a rashness which might have cost him his life saying at the same time you are a sahib and grezi english gentleman i have been a talinga a private soldier in the company's service and have eaten their salt i will do your errand for you to the faker barak el hadgi so saying he entered the mosque and presently returned with the faker's answer in these enigmatical words he who would see the sun rise must watch till the dawn with this poor subject of consolation hartley retired to his inn to meditate on the futility of the professions of the natives and to devise some other mode of finding access to hyder than that which he had hitherto trusted to on this point however he lost all hope 
being informed by his late fellow-traveller whom he found at the khan that the nawab was absent from the city on a secret expedition which might detain him for two or three days this was the answer which the vakil himself had received from the duan with a farther intimation that he must hold himself ready when he was required to deliver his credentials to prince tippoo instead of the nawab his business being referred to the former in a way not very promising for the success of his mission hartley was now nearly thrown into despair he applied to more than one officer supposed to have credit with the nawab but the slightest hint of the nature of his business seemed to strike all with terror not one of the persons he applied to would engage in the affair or even consent to give it a hearing and the duan plainly told him that to engage in opposition to prince tippoo's wishes was the ready way to destruction and exhorted him to return to the coast driven almost to distraction by his various failures hartley betook himself in the evening to the khan the call of the muezzins thundering from the minarets had invited the faithful to prayers when a black servant about fifteen years old stood before hartley and pronounced these words deliberately and twice over thus says barak el hadgi the watcher in the mosque he that would see the sun rise let him turn towards the east he then left the caravansary and it might be well supposed that hartley starting from the carpet on which he had laid down to repose himself followed his youthful guide with renewed vigor and palpitating hope End of chapter the thirteenth